How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Armchair Referees Podcast. I am the man with the fake 22-inch guns, a.k.a. Fake Cockley. And I am the co-host, the one with the fake Twitter burner accounts, the one, the only, Chip Bayless. All right, guys, we have our friends here from Bridging the Gap with us today. What's going on? Dev here. Coach is here. What's going on, everybody? We're going to talk a little bit of football before we dive into that one. We're just going to give you guys a little bit of insight on how this all started. Me and Chip Bayless over here, uh, we start. We came up with an idea. It was like 7 o'clock at night. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. I got I contacted Devin over here and uh, pitched the idea to him. Uh, and he's like, well, I said, well, so like, just let me know what your budget is and come on through, I guess. I was like, I, I do podcasts and shows and everything, so this is just this is nothing to me. It's nothing new. And, you know, you just wanted to basically get it off the ground. And, of course, these guys hit me up at 7 o'clock and say, hey, we're ready to start talking. And 10 o'clock at night rolls around, and here they come over to my studio space, and I have other people in the studio, and they're like, what are they doing at 10 o'clock at night here? And I said, well, I said, well, what are you doing here at 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> we're here to work. <laughs> and they, they pitched the whole idea to me, the name and everything, and we are here now. Well, that's after an hour that we spent. But Trying to, yeah, conversing, trying name, to figure yeah, out a yeah. name. That was probably the funniest part, part of the night there. But uh, really, me, me and Chip Bayless over here, we're just two small-town guys. You know, we love sports, and that's what this podcast is really going to be all about. We're going to cover everything from the MLB to the NHL. Heck, we might even talk a little bit of soccer. Who knows? You know, every <laughs> well, let's not get too carried away. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're gonna go to some crazy. I was gonna sports. say I I personally know the hawk the hawkmeister over here, okay? And let me tell you, he he's into some FIFA. That's all I can say. <laughs> and and he's 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 sat with me in a chair before and been like, watch watch me play soccer. And I'm like and I'm like I'm like man, I can't get into this. Oh, oh, I have to, all I have to say is go Tottenham United. That's all I got to say. Go Chottenham United. <laughs> yeah, go Chottenham United. <laughs> oh, man. But, all right, guys, um, the first topic that I wanted to dive into today is this crazy, outrageous A-B situation. You know, one thing I've really noticed is, was he really the cancer to Pittsburgh as everyone's making him out to be? Because now it's kind of looking, is it Tomlin's ego? Is it Big Ben's ego that pushed him out of Pittsburgh, or was it himself? You know, it's it's obvious that it's just not Pittsburgh because he's doing the same things in Oakland that he was doing in Pittsburgh. Well, this is actually a good conversation because I'm a Raiders fan, so uh, you know, AB's there, and Coach is a Steelers fan, and he knows about the culture in the locker room there. So, start with Coach. Start with you, probably. Like, what do you think was the was that was he the cancer in the locker room or? I think it's a multiple thing that you mentioned. Um, you could put some blame on Coach Tomlin. He's not. He's a great motivator, but rules-wise, uh, I've watched him speak. I, I went to one of his coaching clinics because I've coached for years, so I just always go to clinics, and I ended up at his. And I've seen some of the the things that I where I could see, especially when you got professional athletes. Mm-hmm. You got professional athletes. You're talking about money. I coach kids, like in the development league, so there's a difference, but. They still act like kids, especially when they get a, a, a $20 million contract. You know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. So they're going to act a little funny. There's a lot of that that can go around, but like uh, Hockley over here just mentioned, there's a lot of blame to go around, but it is going towards A.B. not handling the situation well. One, you don't walk off the field. You don't quit on your team. 
especially during a playoff run when they could have fixed some of the situations. And then you got Ben. Ben is an arrogant fuck. I'm not even gonna lie. I've, I've seen him off camera. He's an arrogant fuck. Um, so, but he's a great football player. I gotta kind of separate those things. But now that we see him going in here and actually saying he's not gonna play because he can't have his helmet, that's some I'm taking my ball and going home shit right there. That's what that is. And now you're just saying I had your back all the way up to because I understand. Get your money. It's a it's a get your fucking money as much as you can. Things ain't working. Do it properly. Don't do it in the media. Uh, don't d take it outside the locker room. But once he did this, I there's no I can't help you no more. You're just being a dick. That's just the overall all of it. Like yeah. I I agree to the most part. Like I I'm nowhere near a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But when you grow up in the area that we grow up in, where it this is Steeler country, and you look at over the past decade, Stiller country. Mm -hmm. It's Stiller country. Stiller country. Stiller. Stillers. Y'all know what I mean. <laughs> but when you look at that culture where there's guys that much rather retire than go play for another team, like Heinz Ward, Troy Palmo, team made it very clear, we don't want you here anymore. You know, it's not that we don't love you. It's your age, and you're just not really useful anymore. Wait a minute. They, Didn't A.B. seek a trade? Yeah, AB did seek the trade. Okay, that, that's what I'm saying. Where these players are going out and they say, "You're not going to renew our contract. I'll retire because I don't want to play with another team." And there's numerous Steelers that have done this. And now we're getting into this stage, where Le'Veon Bell requested a trade, said, "I'm not playing at all. Sat Basically out sat whole out entire, entire year. season. And did it, nothing but like what do you do? That's like, the new trend now. Yeah, <laughs> and, and now with AB do, doing doing what he did as well. So is it just those two players that they're so selfish that they'd much rather, you know, just shit on their team, give up completely, and only play for the money? Or is there something going on higher in that Pittsburgh Steelers organization where there's something else coming about? I think it's a um, – first and foremost, I'm going to say that the, the Roonies, I've been – I mean, I've – been a Steeler fan since I started liking football and watched their movements and watched some of the things that they innovated. Tomlin has a job because of the Roonies. Um, they're a class act organization. They allow players to go when they know you can't play. They're not going to put you in a position to say, "Hey, we're going to we're going to fight this out." Or, or, or I, you, sure, you got to use the franchise tag on some people, but they let many players go get their money, and then they brought those players back, like a James Harrison. Um, I think Heinz Ward did it perfect when he was going um, to get his contract. He wasn't happy with what the offer was, but he still went to camp. He was still on the sidelines during the games for the first couple of weeks. So there is a difference. There's a personality. I don't believe that. I, I believe that the Roonies are going to give you the fair shake. If you, it's up to you to choose what you got to do. I don't think they had anything to do with that. I don't think that it changed much that um, Art Rooney Sr. passed away and it's passed down to his son. I don't think I think it's cookie cutter. They're never going to change that. They have success with it. So I just think that's what I think. The um, attitude of the new players. I'm just going to put it out there. I think they're soft as shit. They don't have loyalty. I mean, that's just the age of people in general, and they're bringing that into the uh, sports. So some people are just going to be casualties, and I believe that's what those two were. Like, yeah. They don't care. They'll plug and play. They're a plug and play system. 
now me coming from the the uh, the Raider perspective, I'm I'm gonna come on with this and say that you know if if AB wants to not play because of a helmet, you know, then like you know I think it's soft. But at the same time, after watching, I've been watching Hard Knocks and everything on HBO and and watching the actual Raiders camp unfold. He's had an injury to his foot, and I mean if you've seen Instagram pictures or photos or anything, the, it looks out. What <laughs> those feet are disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're gross. Plain and simple, but like, they're, they're gross. How does your feet get like that first? Well, like well, first you're and foremost. working so hard, bro. Because I mean, I mean, let's be real about this. AB works probably the hardest out of any of the receivers in the league, and not, I'm not I'll saying the that. hardest, but I'm saying he work he works damn hard. I'm not saying I don't know. I don't know who how other wide receivers you know do their routine. But I'm saying that he's making this complaint about the helmet, right? But like, was it really that big a deal? Like, did, did maybe the media try and spin out of proportion because they want to make this A B narrative? I mean, I'm no, I'm not trying to get CNN on you here. But, I mean, the guy, he's complaining about his helmet. He's like, yeah, I want to appeal. Yeah, I want this. Because was he really going to go to camp without his helmet anyway? Could he even really work out with the way his feet were in condition? Well, also, you also have to remember, okay, one, he did he did go to arbitration over this helmet. Like, that, that well, was many. But, I feel deficit. Many other people did. Tom, Tom Brady. Brady did. There's a list of them. The thing that separates him is because he said, I'm not playing. Nobody else came out and said, said shit. Right. So he put the bullseye on his back. But yeah. at the same time, he also tried to paint his helmet. Uh, I probably I think that was more <laughs> okay. so what I'm going to try well, to pull they were, one over. They were saying, they were trying so to Raiders say that it was training too camp's old. about to turn into like arts and crafts for Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's over painted. there putting some sprinkles <laughs> like, and shit he, on it. He took it to a, a whole nother level than what those other players did. Yeah, those other players went to arbitration. Right. But at the same time, he said, okay, I'm going to go play arts and crafts. I'm going to spray paint or paint. I've never seen how he painted it. I've been trying to find pictures because I want to see. I bet you it's hilarious. <laughs> I, it, it, I bet you could pick it out. Well, if well, it was in all the helmets, you could be like, there's a Why would say he painted it? Because he probably, what he really did is probably paid somebody to paint it to be like, all right, make it look like it's one of these helmets. You know what I mean? I, 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 I want to believe that. I want to believe that. If he wants his old helmet, like, you would think they'd make like the same kind of like molding. Well, the make a is, new helmet, but like the same molding that he had, like when he. I think I think it was more the principle that he wanted to keep the helmet that he's had for so long, and I, I don't know. Like I mean, to me, I, I guess watch I him show up to camp with like one of those old school thing. leather. It's a safety <laughs> thing, right? With a Raider symbol. The Raider symbol. Don't get me wrong; it's a safety thing, but there's also a part of me that thinks in my head, like. It are, like if someone chooses to wear a helmet, like they take the risk. Like I mean, it really should be as simple as like, okay, you, you understand it doesn't meet the guidelines, right? All right, sign this waiver, knowing that you you wear this helmet. You know, it's not up to our par of safety, and that's it. He could wear the helmet then if he wanted to. It, it's not that; it's that shut, quit making it in general. Right. You can't, so yeah. shut's no longer making that model. That's mm-hmm. what it is. And the helmet he would be able to use this Pittsburgh Steelers helmet, but it's ten years old. So. By the NFLPA and what they say agreed plus on, the concussion protocol and everything. It, it's any helmet that's ten years older, you cannot use. So you have ten years to use that one helmet. After that, you're done. It has to be replaced. And now that shut is no longer making that model. There's no way for him to get that same exact helmet. And there, and there's another part to this too um, that I find interesting is like the NFL just for some reason wants to stand out in different ways when it comes to rules and how they discipline and all that um in hockey baseball anything that's outdated it gets grandfathered in mm-hmm. the nfl just refused to do that maybe it is because of the, pro- the um, concussion protocol because they're going to be paying out money and money for mm-hmm. ever forever yeah. that's never going to stop but i think it is as simple as saying okay if you want this out 
sign this piece of paper. You, there's no, you, you're signing and saying you're responsible for any head injuries that you're right. going to try to come back and right. get. And the NFL acknowledged that, that, that their research shows that if you wear this helmet, then you're more likely to get a concussion or whatever have you, or it's not up to the standards that we have based upon whatever medical you know, research they ran. So if you take the helmet and you want to wear it, that's fine. Like you said, like I said, just sign the piece of paper and there it is. But I don't think the NFL is ever going to do that because of what went down yeah. a few years ago yeah. with over this concussions. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not that, in theory, that's a great idea. But right now with the box that the NFL cornered themselves into because they didn't want to acknowledge the soup, you know, but it's the not serious even, allegations but, uh, I'm of thinking, CTE. Is it really a corner? Is it really a corner they put themselves in? Because yeah, I mean now they can't. But if someone's, if someone as individual signs that piece of paper, that doesn't, it doesn't like you know what I mean they 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 forfeited their right because they might you anybody that comes in the league now they're gonna say yeah you need to come up to these standards. But the people that were there beforehand, it's like well you know if you want to keep wearing helmet, fine, sign a piece of paper. And you know they can't really get faulted for it, or maybe they could because what ten years ago they didn't have the concussion protocol. Well, so they could. That's, so that's the thing is those players could come back and say well. I'm all messed up in the head and, you know, basically sue for lawsuit money. I, I don't know. Well, that's because they, the NFL practically ignored the research of CTE. They, that's how they boxed them out into that corner. They, they ignored it, and they didn't want to bring it out into public and what these concussions really do to Chip your brain. Chip wants to say something. Chip, Chip has something on his mind. A good um, – how should I say this? A good definition of, like, all this is the Junior Seau exactly. situation. Like, he, even after he died, he – didn't he, like, donate his brain? Yeah, he donated his brain. That's where that, that research for the CTE really exploded. Really exploded, yeah. yeah. They had a brain to actually uh, get the information from. And that's a sad story. You don't want to see that happen. And if you have any heart, it's a business. Let's let's put that first. And, and, I, and I think, like, it's like any, like, like what do you anything in normal life they give you those liabilities i think but are they really trying to protect it to some helmets i don't really i don't know what this is all about to be honest if unless we're sitting in these meetings i think it's one of those players association union thing where they're like oh you didn't give us this or you got this from us so we're not going to give you this just piss shit that they don't want you know that they don't want to um give in on certain <coughs> things and this is one thing that they're just saying Forget it. And oh, and it's and it's good that it's AB because we're going to villainize you some more. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this happens every single year. There's always something during the offseason where the Players Association has some type of beef with the NFL. There's always something. When when was that lockout? There was well, the potential lockout. 2011 that, yeah, or 2012. Where that almost happened, and it was over freaking money. And no matter what, it always ends up going back to money. At the end of the day, it goes back to money. And I think that's the reason why the NFL is losing some fans in, in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of people hate on Roger Goodell. He's done some Boo. shitty fucking things. He's done some Boo. shitty fucking things. Garbage. But <laughs> at, at the same time, you also have to kind of look at it this way. At the same time, he's also kind of the one that's kind of held the NFL together these past few years. At the same time. Yeah, by being the pillar that we all hate. He, hey, we we hate him works. together. We all hate that him works. together. Okay, so, like, I'm not a huge WWE fan. Mm. But if you look at it in that aspect, everyone hates Vince McMahon. But the reason that it's been so successful, because he's kind of, she- like, taken some of that heat off some of those guys. And he's been that pillar of hate. So all these crappy players or some of the shitty things the players have done, he's kind of taken that heat off of them. 
do we think that is what it is? Um, Vince McMahon is a genius yeah, businessman. We're, we're really going it's, to wrestling. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's <laughs> like a I'm fake. Looking at him like, it's fake. They're we're really all behind going the to scenes this. loving each other. The players can't stand Roger Goodell. The Wait, only way that they're going to yeah. sit down with him is if that's it, if it's that that they're going to get something yeah, from it. Yeah, that's yeah, the only way they're going to sit down with but him. That's, but that's even though the players hate him. Uh-huh. Okay, and, like I get that, but at the same time, those players are still getting paid because. You know, even though the rate, ratings have slipped, they haven't slipped dramatically. No, like it this, was not to, this, to, no. like that 2011-2012 thing could have gone a completely different direction there. You know, and even now, now you have that. That's the XF. Was it the XFL? XFL that's going to be yeah. starting here. You know, other leagues have in the past three to four years have tried to start up. That's just like this past year that a yeah. That yeah, we did three. They they yeah, were in trouble. Like, yeah, yeah, they're already like hitting bankruptcy and, the, and everything. And like, the last time the XFL came around, same thing. By week three, they were already in trouble. Yep. And then you have arena football that was big for one year. It's still around, but it's not. But it's big not as big. Yeah, it's a small scale. It's very small scale. The NFL. NFL is the giant. There's nobody that's going to mess until players actually put their helmets and pads down and say we're not playing until we fix all these things you bring you can bring in like let's let's i don't know if anybody's ever seen a strike season i have mm-hmm. it's horrible it's like going to a little uh, like a, a development league game mm-hmm. of people that ain't coached well so yeah. it, it just it does it's horrible to watch so those type of things happen and and they know that like how many players are really going to put down their shoulders and pads with that money they're making exactly. life changing money. money they're not going to do it so they're going to push the envelope as far as they can go like it, it's not back in like what was it the 60s or 70s i think it was the AFL was yeah, it the yeah. AFL, yep, AFL that like Trump and everyone was up in like those guys were actually getting paid fairly well but i I think where their issue was that they were paying those players too much too soon. And that's where they really started running into financial problems right there. Hey, you know, this actually brings up a good conversation that I think you guys said about prior to the show was the uh, Ezekiel Elliott dispute. Yeah. I think Le'Veon Bell set that trend. I think he's not. Yep, I say Le'Veon Bell is definitely the perfect example for this because after seeing Le'Veon Bell set out the majority of pretty much last season, Ezekiel he thinks, you know what, if he can sit out a whole season and still go somewhere else and get paid, then I could probably do the same. Yeah. Todd Gurley also. Todd, all, the, all the running backs have been basically in this boat. And, you know, I, I mean, I, we begged this question on our show a long time ago. We, me and Coach talked about, you know, are, are NFL players or professional athletes getting paid too much? And then, like, because every time someone gets paid the most amount, the next guy wants to be paid the most amount, even though he may have just slightly different skill or whatever have you. And, you know, I mean, of course, Ezekiel Elliott is a great running back. Don't get me wrong, you know. But is he going to be the next guy that needs to be paid the ne- the next highest amount? But, of course, you've seen it. You've seen it, and he's going to get that money, whether it means that he's going to sit the whole season on, Ca- on the Dallas Cowboys roster and then another team's going to get him. Or if, uh, you know, they regardless, just or, or they just to give it to him. him. Yeah, because – Adjust that. But more importantly, though, what – I don't see it as that. What I saw what Le'Veon Bell was doing, it wasn't – what everybody thinks he was doing, he was trying to adjust the mon- the the average for a running back. 
the average for a running back is only five million dollars. The mm -hmm. person that gets hit the most, besides a linebacker, yeah, that's right. You're going to take the most physical punishment out of the skilled players, and you're putting up numbers on the board that you win games, and you're you're doing what Le'Veon Bell. You should be paid more than five million dollars. That's what he was saying, but he was being a just a kid yeah, about it. You know mm -hmm. the way he had represented, so it didn't look good. But he was saying that the whole time. And people were, you know how the media is, they focus on something to make the villain. And Todd Gurley got the contract out of that. Mm -hmm. Now well, Todd Gurley is saying, I want a bigger contract. Well, that, and if you, if you look at the stick, you know, what the average age for a running back at 30, no way we want. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, at 30. Unless you're Frank Gore. Unless you're Frank running Gore's back, still going somehow. Yeah. The average running back is still out of the out league. There. So most of these younger running backs, are trying, trying to get, get paid faster. Yep. Because they know as soon as they, they got most running backs come they're coming out of college. That's a longevity. They, they average what's the average age? 23, 24? Coming out of college. Now about I say like they're gonna get them at 21, 20. Some are only spending two years because they realize that yeah. now. Yeah. That that or like, you know, they spend two and then, you know, the young uh these older running backs like we'll we'll say Kareem Hunt came out of a smaller school. He had to play all four years. Right. So he's come out into the draft 23, 24, somewhere around that age. That only gives him five to six years. If that. And most of these rookie deals last for three. Hey, I was going to say, think about No, you, right now it's five years. Five years. Five year rookie, rookie deal. Year deal. Three Fourth year, you can, they're going to say to you, if you can get the contract, they're going to give it to you or they're going to tag you for that yeah. fifth like they did with Le'Veon Bell. Exactly. People don't realize Le'Veon Bell did not make over a million dollars until his third year. Exactly. Yeah. And he was only like $1.5 million of all that work he put in. So at that time, he's looking at it like, I'm going to sit out with my body, refreshing it up, go get my contract that I want, even though he came up short with the Jets and didn't get to stay with the Steelers. I have no problem with that. Because we know what this game, like we're looking at the results. It's a lot of money, but think about it. If you make, uh, what is it, uh, 10, 15 million as a running back for the short time you got five years, but after that your whole body is destroyed, you're going to have head problems. You have, I'm not mad at a player going in there saying, give me what I, what I exactly. can get right now. Because your, your, your check coming into the owners is no matter what happens, you're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to make a lot you of money. Are set for life. It, it's yeah. not like quarterbacks, okay? Like quarterbacks, what that, especially now, quarterbacks are going further into their 30s playing. Sometimes, like late, Tom, yeah, like, they're getting late. Like now, Tom yeah. Brady or Big Ben, they're pushing. Well, Tom Brady's over, Drew Brees, over 40. Philip Rivers <clears throat> are over 40. Big Ben's definitely pushing 40. Maybe he's over 40. He's 30s. He's just turning 37. Philip so, Rivers, 37, yeah. You know, they, they are going a heck of a lot longer now. And average contract, lengthwise, at least before, was five to six years. So you come out of the league, you're twenty, you come out of con, you're entering the league, coming out of college, you're twenty one, twenty two. Your rookie deal deal takes five years. So now you're twenty seven. If you're a quarterback, then you take another five year contract. You're still in your mid thirties at that point in time. Yeah, you could, you could push yeah. forward yeah. if you're the way Tom, Tom Brady said that you can yeah. get four. You're, you're maybe hitting three different contracts in the NFL compared to a running back that maybe only gets one. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, well, I was going to say, this is just the point I wanted to add in, is uh, look at the draft that happened this year with the Raiders where they took Josh Jacobs. I mean, one of the selling points of Josh Jacobs, which was weird because it was like one of the first times I've heard it in a while, is there wasn't a lot of tread on the tires. They were saying he, because, you know, like it's like, it was like a mainstream thing because I've, I've heard of running backs being taken. Because it made it sound like they ran him like, like crazy at Alabama. Right. He was like second string at Bama, though. Yeah, he was second string. And he did, he did have a lot of reps, but not as many not reps as, many as someone reps. like Derrick Henry. Or whoever. Mark that, Ingram. Mark Ingram. Or uh, Trent Richardson. So they were thinking. Yeah, Trent Richardson. Because remember when Trent Richardson were, were drafted, he was averaging like almost 20 carries a game. You know, that's all. And he played all the way up to his junior year. That's a lot of tread on his tires. And another thing that I, I read about a month back is that these NFL scouts now are actually calling high school coaches. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get the average carries or the exact number of carries that these running backs were receiving during uh, during high school. So now they're going that far back, trying to figure out how much tread was used on these tires by the time they get drafted in the NFL. Yeah, they're given two years. Like I think they're they're adjusting to that per player. Like if you're developed. Uh, Josh is what? Josh is only a junior. He, he, he would have been a junior, junior this yeah. year. So he's spending two years. They're trying to do that with quarterbacks also. They're trying to get him as quick as possible if they're being developed right and they're in a system. Because Alabama is a pro system. Yeah, right. Make no mistake about it. They run their program like a NFL team. So players are going to be ready faster. And if you're a running back, I definitely would try to get the – like I would look at that. An extra two years in college – it's not going to help uh, you in the draft. In the draft stock. Yeah. It's not going to get you it's up there. It's not going to help you. Because you got to think your fundamentals, I think, at the, at the running back position are probably are about the same in, in year two as it would be year four. Would, would that be a fair assessment, do we think? Yeah. Yeah, your yeah, fundamentals. By the time you're at college, you, you, at that level, you're, fu- you're pro-ready if you're at a program. Yeah, right. If you're at a program like Alabama, Clemson, you're pro-ready as soon as you step on that field. You have a few things to do physically and, you know, mentally, but fundamentally you're ready to go. You, you went through every program there is in NFL program that's out there that's specific for uh, five-star athletes. So that, that, you know, like if you take Alabama, for example, their weight regimen and their nutrition regimen are already on an NFL level. So by your sophomore year, you finish up your sophomore year, you're already in that mindset. You're used to it. So when you get enter this NFL aspect, they want you to bulk up a little bit. It's not going to be that hard for you because you're already used to it. You've been doing it for two years already. So, so get back to where this whole thing started, Zeke, right? Mm-hmm. Are we mad at Zeke? The thing with Zeke is – I. There's always been. I know he's a cowboy, so we gotta no, hate late, him. Late, <laughs> lately, you know, ever since he got his rookie year, ever since his rookie year, he's had this stigma, where it's, is he as good as he is, or is it because of that offensive line in front of him? So I think this year, if this guy that they brought in, and I know they, I think they traded for Alfred Morris, or they signed him. Either, either or. They signed him like I think they signed. So, him. They signed him several like almost like a couple of years ago though. They signed. He's been there for like three years now. No, he just came back because he spent last year with the 49ers. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say, but I know he was there though for uh, a time. If this other running back comes in and puts up relatively almost about the same numbers, is the are, are the Cowboys gonna look and be like, you know what, your assistant running back, 
we don't really need you. So it's maybe like it was the, and Murray. Yeah, maybe it was the offensive line that was in front of you. Or are they still going to try to give him? Or if no, he I think if he gets past it, if they're able to band-aid it and they find it, because man down, man up. I love, I hate the Patriots, but I know football. I coach football. You have to think like how they think, especially when there's money involved. A, you don't want to do what we need you to do. There's part of the bench. We're, we've been preparing this guy to come up here and do it. So you got to think like that. If a guy comes up and he's prepared and he goes behind that offensive line and does anything close to what he was doing, anything close to it, they're going to say, bye, Zeke, go ahead. And mm -hmm. that's why the Patriots are always two steps ahead of the game of everybody else because it's, it's just the way that the Belichick and Kraft, like just how they draft and develop their players. Like one guy goes down, next guy comes in, and it's just like nothing changed. Well, it's just like the pieces when when they, when they lose a piece, they somehow replenish that piece with a cheaper cost. With a cheaper cost. Yeah. yeah. And that that's another thing that like we can say anything about Tom Brady, but the fact that this is the first year he's actually legit been paid what the average quarterback in the league, a starting quarterback in the league, is getting paid now. Right says something that guy is a patriot through and through right and he's sense. the difference between like when they have these conversations about football like when they comparing him and aaron Rodgers for the last thing to me there's no comparison aaron Rodgers is the better athlete but that don't win super bowls no nope. brady is in the locker room at the whiteboard with the coaches saying this is what i'm seeing this is what i'm doing Aaron's just coming in, la die with his with his head up like, I'm the best quarterback, but he's not building that part of it. And he's saying, I want all my money. Brady's saying, adjust my contract so we can get that player on defense we need or that and lineman. Exactly. Last year that's prime, team ball. Last it, year was a prime example. I mean, just looking at how they – just Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers completely were on two different levels. I mean, Packers organizations had to come to that, like, decision like do we get rid of McCarthy or is it time to finally get rid of A-Rod well that and, you know you could tell ever since Rodgers got paid Green Bay is handcuffed by that freaking contract mm -hmm. they can't bring anybody in do I think they're going to be better this year yes mainly they made some smart acquisitions and free agency and they drafted excellent the past two years they have drafted heavy on defense and they have and their draft picks on the defense side ball have been great so I think they're going to be a little bit better. But at the same time, when those rookie deals are up, they're going to be back in the same situation again. They're going to be back in the same boat. Because they could have kept Clinton Dix. He was on a contract year. They could have kept him if they didn't give Aaron Rodgers all that money. Plain and simple. So now they had to go into the draft, and they're hoping that this safety that they just drafted is going to be able to fill that void or maybe be a little bit better. But they're hoping – just like any other team that releases and trades away a guy like Clinton Dix, it's been almost about the anchor of that defense for I don't know how many years, that they're just going to be able to play just to his level that he was playing at. But is he going to be, be able to do that? We'll find out. But as I said, even if he does, when that rookie deal is up, they're still going to be handcuffed by Aaron Rodgers' contract. And that's the huge difference between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It, it's night and day. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of things we would find out about, uh, you said probably about uh, earlier about our bold, one of us, each one of us has a bold prediction for the NFL season before it gets underway. So, I guess, uh, you know, can we, can we do that? Uh, well, I don't know who wants to start. 
I I've been waiting to hear Chip Bayless's <laughs> bold, bold prediction because he he refused to tell me throughout the week. Okay, and it's not the Browns, so I want to know what that's this not is. a bold prediction. If the if the Browns don't make playoffs, like they're they have they have a bummy organization. I'm like, well, I'm they sure. do have a bummy organization. Like, I mean, like, no, but they've been rebuilding for a while, and I'm just saying, if the Browns don't make playoffs, to me, With they're the a disappointment. With the way John Dorsey's been building the Browns these last couple seasons, drafting well, um, bringing in big names like Odell Beckham, you have Jarvis Landry. Um, you have a good tight end, David Njoku. Just building around uh, Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know. I've seen some David Njoku film, and he's dropped a lot of balls. But go ahead. But that's I think he's a decent <laughs> tight end, in my opinion. That's always been yeah, Njoku's good, MO, though. Yeah. But I'm saying, so wait, are, are, so we're just saying are the Browns good. So wait, what's your bold prediction? So are we saying, could this be the year the Browns do it? The Browns do what? Win the AFC North. AFC Win the AFC North? Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not like – Crazily ambitious, but it's bold, I would say. It's going to be hard for them because the Ravens have definitely retooled. You know, no matter what way you look at it, the Ravens have definitely retooled. Coach is like, oh, Steelers. (laughs) Let's get this straight right here. (laughs) We are not coming down off that title without a rumble. You know what I mean? There's going to be a rumble. There's always a rumble with the Browns. Mm -hmm. Always. The last couple years, they're scrappy. The AFC North has always been like – but what it's bringing now is that fight back to it where and that's you why have I think three it's going to be teams. a fun year for yeah. the AFC North. I it's going to be, be great really exciting. football. It's going to be great football. Um, I actually wanted to pick the Browns, but I can't because I always pick a sleeper. And I p- end up picking the Raiders because I think it's just going to be entertaining. And the Browns, like I... I think that they're going to like they're going to be in it down to the last couple of weeks after the holidays, going into playoffs. To who's going to take that north? Well, that and so I, I I like it. I like a I like that pick that somebody else can pick it. <laughs> <laughs> that and Baker last year, Baker Mayfield really like he was when he took over. He was the what they thought Johnny Manziel. Yeah, Johnny Manziel should have been. Yeah, he he played very well when he first came in, but after that, those holidays really kicked in. He took it on to a whole nother level. I wish the defense would have been able to keep up with him. I think they would have made playoffs last year, or at least a wild card spot, if the defense would have been able to keep up with him. Because he really. I did. mean, don't get it twisted. The defense was really good for the Browns last year. Like, they were just giving up too many plays point. late. I don't know. Are, are you going to say? Are we going to say that? Or are we going to say that the offense wasn't really cooking, especially in the beginning parts of the season, and then the defense overplayed, and then they were in that position, like where, like I said, because I'm, I get a defense wins championships, and you know if you had a great defense, yeah, they're not going to make excuses. Well, but I'm saying offensively, if you don't get any offense going, I mean, what are you going to do? Depend on your defense to score points, because that's what the end well, of the game. Well, a lot of teams have done that. Right. The Ravens. The I know. Giants, I know the that perfect. a lot of teams have the done Bucks. that. I know, but I'm saying, can that? Is that really going to? Is that the outline? How many defensive teams are going to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to win defense every time, every game? Well, as you know, well, speaking as a, a coach, you it's don't worry about pains. that. You don't worry right. about the defense. You don't. You, you go to the offense to mark them and say your defense is playing so much better than you guys suck. That's what you use that as. Mm-hmm. Your defense, if your defense falls off, you're never going to go as a coach or organization to your defense and say, oh, it's okay, the offense was fucking around. No, they're going to be like, you better get your ass up and keep playing Wait, football just, because football. you're the team right now. You yeah, know what I mean? Coaching, and the Ravens though. have been doing it for years. Like, like, let's not forget that. The Ravens have been doing it for oh, yeah. years. Defense it's has the kept Newsom. them in. Yeah. Yeah. Ozzie Newsom's and, drafting. He, he's like a defensive guru. Yeah, and the Chiefs, my team, did it for how many years? 
we leaned on that defense. That defense was the reason that we made four playoff appearances in a row. And the defense last year was why you guys weren't able to get over that hump because the defense was lacking some of the things. You know, we just talked like somebody like with Brady's skill and Belichick's coaching. They were able to come in there and just Mm -hmm. do some shit to that defense. Well, even during the regular season, if if our defense makes one or two more stops, as a whole different game. We win that game. Yeah. But, but it is what it is. Yeah. Edelman, Edelman made some easy. Edelman made some easy. Someone would have stayed on sides. <laughs> hey, don't get me started. <laughs> okay, I can talk uh, Chiefs all day here. All right. That's football, though. That's football. I'll, I'll give I'll give my bold prediction, and of course it has to be relevant to my team, I guess, because I had another one, but I don't think it's quite as bold. Derek Carr, MVP. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Derek Carr MVP. Oh, he had MVP form in 2016 with some weapons and a, and a solid defense that could get some turnovers for them. And, I mean, of course, they're lacking in Cleo Mack, who you know got a bunch of forced fumbles and everything. But Derek has weapons. He's got an improved offensive line. I think because, I mean, the past two years he's been injured and he's, his best wide receiver was, you know, well, no, Amari Cooper was gone halfway through the season, but then it was Jared Cook and – Maybe Amari, whenever he you know disappeared off the scene, and they had Crab, who was like, eh, all right, you know, in that later year before he went to the Ravens. But he's got a you know he had an AB who you know is coming off of wasn't AB didn't he have a career year last year in touchdowns, and they have Tyrell Williams who is just a one on one monster. I mean, we just saw him in preseason just body two receivers on a one on one ball. I mean, and, and the new weapons running back with Josh Jacobs and everything i think that this could be the year that he gets back to that form that he had in 2016 where he was competing with matt ryan for the mvp until he broke his back or his leg yeah his, his leg. by the way he's broke his femur fun fact he broke his femur the same day marcus mariota did and it was like just kind of a weird weird thing like, speaking of marcus mariota oh god my bold prediction titan, titans take here my <laughs> bold prediction is that the titans actually win the AFC South, and they just don't win it. They also get a first round buy. <laughs> in the playoffs, they get a first round buy. Because here's the thing, Mariota has finally hit that point. It's either it's one is a contract year for him. Two, it's either you're going to do it this year, or Tannehill's coming in. That's that's that is a Listen, very listen here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't trade. For, you don't trade for a guy like Tannehill, mm-hmm. unless you're going to put that pressure on Mariota. Plain and simple. That, was, guy's, that guy's been and a And this is a big year for I was, listen, I was going to make the joke. Because I was going, they're both on contract years. I was going to make the joke that I was like, my, I was like, my, I was like, bolder prediction. The Titans with the AFC South with Tannehill as a starting quarterback. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, don't tra- you don't give up a second-round pick. You don't give up a second-round pick for a quarterback unless you're either A, planning on using them, or B, putting pressure on your younger quarterback, basically telling him, listen, we got a veteran arm in here. He's a game manager, okay, and he can you win. You know about you that. Know, plain and simple. Yeah, I definitely know about that. I'm a Chiefs fan. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had Matt Castle and Alex Smith. <laughs> Hell, we went to the playoffs with Matt Castle. That just says it all. But the, the fact of the matter, you know, as I said, you don't give up a second-round pick for a quarterback unless you're A, you're planning to use them, or B, you're putting pressure on that, that young quarterback. So the Titans organization flat out said, either you take us to the to the playoffs and you win a playoff game and get us damn close to the Super Bowl, 
or you, we aren't going to re-sign you. Or two, we may re-sign you, but you aren't going to get the money that you want. That the average starting quarterback, for how many years he has been the starting quarterback, normally You're not gets. getting the superstar quarterback. Yeah, he's money. not good. He's going to be around the middle of the pack because he gets hurt too often. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a make or break year. Yeah. And you know what? The Titans have been a sleeper team. For how many years? Yeah, I like how Vrabel's handling it. Vrabel, yep. They're constantly up in that mix to make playoffs. And whenever they do make the playoffs, they at least average one win. Like, mm-hmm. they came into Chiefs mm-hmm. Kingdom. They came into Arrowhead and smacked us the fuck Well, actually, no. Did, weren't, the, like, weren't you guys smacking them up, and then they just came back and it was, trashed Didn't Henry yeah. have, like, a 190-yard? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no matter which way you look at it, though, they still smacked us at home. Yeah. They basically bitch slapped us. They said, your Chiefs kingdom, you guys may be the loudest. You guys might, because that was the year that we had a damn good defense. Yeah. You guys may have one of the best defenses in the NFL, mm-hmm. but you aren't going to stop us on, on the run. And I'll say it right now, their offensive line is also one of the best offensive lines in the league. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm a huge Taylor LeJuan fan. I like, love Taylor LeJuan. And their defense Absolutely. is always in that top ten. So yeah, they, they, they their, have defense is, their defense kept them around when trying to keep Mariota. It's just one of those things where they're playing in the AFC South. So unless you're the Jaguars or the Colts or the Texans, which they're always seem to be middle of the road as well, it doesn't matter how much talent you have on those three teams, they always seem to be in the middle of the road. But I also take that as because it's a tough division. Because all four of those That's teams like are it's always like every so year good. it's always somebody so want to run away in your division. You they're always smack each other around, and that's why most of those teams go eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight. You know, but and I think somehow this, sneak into the playoffs and make a little noise, get a get a good wild card win. I think this is the year that the Titans just completely just take over, just like whenever Peyton Manning and the Colts did there for those few years. I think this is the year that the Titans have a chance to do it, and on the arm and on the legs of Mariota because he's going to be coming in there with a whole different energy level because he knows this contract year, and he knows that they just traded a second round pick for Tannehill, and he. He knows that either he starts playing better or he's out the door. He's just got to get his body to know that. Yeah. Because I think his more of his problem is development is staying healthy yeah. than anything. He has the tangibles to play NFL quarterback. He just can't stay healthy. I, I think it's one of those things where he needs to try to sit in the pocket a little bit longer behind that good throw line. Because nine times out of ten, whenever he has been hit hurt, is whenever he's running when he shouldn't Trembling. run. You know, where he still had time and he just – and gone. And okay. maybe they shouldn't – run him as much as well. Mm-hmm. What's, Keep him out What's Coach's bold prediction for the NFL? Uh, my bold, predi- bold excuse me, prediction is I think Jameis Winston is go- – this is what you're saying against his counterpart who he's drafted that class. He is going to bust out because, one, he got very humbled by Fitz Matrick. Magic last year. I yeah. love Fitz Magic. I don't get Magic how much. Fitz Magic. So he's gonna I humble bu- Josh Rosen this year in Miami. <laughs> yeah, he's, hum- he's the humbler. He's the humbler. I love him, but like, he got on, humbled by him. I just wanted to say this. Fitz Magic is like the like he has so many nicknames. We just gave him the humbler. Fitz Magic. Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know what I mean? Patty. Patty Fitz. I've heard and Patty then, gives him fits. Then you have the Amish rifle. The Amish rifle. We've heard so many you, names. You gotta have a player like that that does not give a shit. You gotta have a short memory as a quarterback in the NFL. He has that. 
because he doesn't give a fuck. He's going out there. He's going to throw the ball. You're going to get one or the other, and he's not coming to the sideline with his head down. Five touchdowns no or matter seven if he throws five picks. <laughs> five touchdowns or seven interceptions. Right. He doesn't give a shit. But the main reason why is because I think they made the smart decision by hiring Coach Arians, mm-hmm. and then Coach Arians being who he is, it, you, there's a lot of quarterbacks that can get a second. Ben being one of them, Ben admitted that Bruce Arians is the one. If I didn't have him, I probably would have fucked up. He's a quarterback guru. Yeah, he's a guru. But the main, th- the next level down that the hire that he made too, what everybody thinks is a risk, is was hiring Byron Leftwich as the first time offensive coordinator. No, I, I a like guy that. that had the guy that was is in the same position as Jameis Winston was back in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yep. Yes, and he went the wrong way. So he spent that time thinking. How, how did I screw this up? This is what I did wrong. This is what now he's at Jameis's face. Like now you're gonna be held accountable. So I love the whole the whole package of it going from Fitzmagic to Arians to that. I think they're gonna they're gonna do. Some so wait, what was the the finite thing though? Jameis Winston's just gonna blow up? Like what, what he's thing? gonna he's gonna come to the a that everybody's been saying. When is he gonna get over that hump? This is okay. when he's gonna get. He's okay. gonna do it big. Okay, like as far me, as the give success me, give me, of the team. Uh, give me like a number. Like the success of the team, a number, like what, numbers passing or team-wise? Well, we're saying Jameis is going to improve. So I guess let's say, because I mean. The whole squad's going to improve. The whole squad's going to improve. Okay, so you're saying the Tim Bay Bucks make And they're going to be led by, they're going to, they're going to, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to get a bye in the play. I think they're going to get around like 11 and 5. First round bye? 11 and 5. Ooh, that's, Uh, that's impressive. That is bold. I will say it's bold. That's bold, but. I don't know if they're going to go 11-5 and five just because of how much that defense regressed. Mm. Because they lost Quan Alexander in free agency. They lost Gerald McCoy in free agency. Mm-hmm. And last year, Gerald McCoy was their pass rush. Yeah. You know, when well, that guy's taking on three guys. Fuck and play. They got dominant. That's, that's, that's why they, that's why <laughs> they just put bold. him in the middle. That's why they call bold predictions. And especially baby. being bold. in that division with you got the Saints, you I, got the Panthers, it's – I do agree that I love it. I do agree that Winston loves the Bucks. Coach is like, I'm sticking to my guns. I love it. I I like I like the Jameis Winston. I I thought that's where you were going. I thought you were going with just Jameis Winston's going to be. No, I I think he's going to lead them. Not is not not necessarily his his numbers are going to be what he's going to make decisions that you have to make as a quarterback. Okay, that's what I'm pretty much saying to overall um, get the team in a better position than they need to do to win some of those games. Because if you look at the numbers of last year when they're playing everybody that you mentioned, it was some tough game. Carolina Panthers are going to go backwards. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be – they're going to keep going They're backwards. a bend and break yeah, right now. Been, they, 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 they it's like you got backwards. Will Greer they just drafted in the in this past year's draft too with um, possibly putting a hot seat on Cam Newton for years to come. Well, and we I, never I think, know how that, that arm is going to be. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I think, think Cam's been on the hot seat for best three years. Though. Yeah, he's not. He's he's Ever not since improving. That Super Bowl, he's, he's he's after that, after that Super Bowl, he's just after, after the yep. way everyone watched him play during that Super Bowl. Cam's been on the hot seat yeah. since. What do you mean? He went. We went. He got because he went in the Super Bowl. The next year he got hurt, and then the fall. Then the following year after the Super Bowl, after he got hurt, he went and took them back to the playoffs where he played the Saints, and then they lost in a close game against the Saints, and then he went back and then he got hurt this past year. I mean, I, as it say, it's not one of those things where I could just close the book on Cam Newton because Cam Newton has been successful with the Panthers a lot. I mean, well, he's know. been successful. They got a running but game. It, they can get around physical, it. His they got a tight attributes. end. They can get around it for a while. But like you said, if you get somebody like they dra- they target somebody, yeah. and they get them at a high draft pick, that means 
they're telling you, like, just like with, if they give you a con, like they did with Mike Tomlin, give him a contact. Mm -hmm. You got until 2021 to get over this hump. You don't, you're done. That's what they're saying when they grab a quarterback. Yeah. Well, I was saying also, too, I mean, for Cam, he's one of those rare quarterbacks where the tread on the tires matters, too, because, I mean, physically, he's always, you know, he's making plays. I mean, he's a playmaking quarterback, which is great, you know, like, but I, how long does that hourglass last for you whenever you, you know, I mean, your body starts taking the hits and you start making the runs and all that stuff, especially whenever you did in college, too. I yeah. just think everybody's get the, the system is getting like everybody's getting hip to the system. Um, what's his name? Keekly, Keekly, the Luke Keekly. Right? Luke Keekly, He's yep. getting a little older. I mean, it, the the shell is is it's just not there anymore. So it's you had your run to do it, your and window, now it's going and now back. The window's closing. closing. Yep. That's it's what going I'm going backward. Say. And the Saints, the Saints are going to be the Saints. But I see that if the move that what the Bucks did, that they're going to be able to throw a monkey wrench in that shit with. Having to play them twice, if you could split those and then maybe ha you know find a couple other wins here and there that they can challenge for that division because mm -hmm. I see the Saints. This is they're at that point right now too. I they're think at the that Saints point. too is like these last couple of years with all these devastating playoff loss, the Minnesota miracle, the Ooh, the gut wrenching. That takes a lot out of you, man. The Minnesota miracle it takes a lot. Yeah, the Wait, gut wrenching yeah. obvious call, the pass interference that. Neglected them for even going to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think the Saints, after them two losses like that, I mean, it's definitely going to take a toll on the Saints, I think. I think they're going to take a step back this year. Well, that, I'll add to that. But at the same time, the Saints are in a much better position than anyone else is in that. In, oh, yeah. In the league or in that division. Because if you look who's behind Drew Brees, and that is Teddy Bridgewater, a guy that is a proven winner because he won in Minnesota. And the only knock was that he, I think, what was it? He tore his ACL. And ever since then, he's, I said this to De, uh, Devin a while back. If this would have been five years ago and he would have tore his ACL, the next year he would have found a home and found a team. He would have been in Miami when he took that trip, but the Saints wanted him bad enough. So they, they stepped up and said, yeah. we know you're the guy. I believe in Ted uh, Bridgewater. I believe it was a freak. Um, ACL tear. I think he would be very successful if he didn't. That didn't happen. He'd yeah. still be in Minnesota oh, yeah. leading that. And that just shows you how the NFL is, man. Exactly. Especially shows nowadays. you, man. You don't have a tomorrow. You only got fucking today. today. <laughs> you know what I mean? At the same time, everywhere in the NFL, quarterback-wise, most teams are set. Or they already have a game plan on how the heck they're going to go. So bringing in a guy like Bridgewater to automatically come in and start yeah. isn't in the landscape for any other team right now. Well, at the Giants. Yeah. Well, the Giants, the Giants, the Giants might Giants. give it a couple weeks and say, "Guess what, um, Eli?" Yeah. But at the same time, the Giants. Yeah, the Giants. What are I so don't sick. get is like Pat Shermer and them still sit there and like shoo away the quarterback competition questions. Like, did you not see how this kid played like in his first preseason debut? Well, you want to know what that is, Daniel though? Jones. I like that Daniel Jones. His debut was he was looking very. Did I agree with him drafting that high? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think they still could have got him at seventeen if they just stayed there. But I think what everybody's overlooking. second, I think. I didn't think that too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, everybody's overlooking this that he was handpicked by the Mannings themselves yeah. to be the quarterback. Yes. Oh, they yes. went through all. He Daniel Jones went through every quarterback camp that they had until he got to college, and they've been talking to him this whole time, and they said. To them go get him eli knows where he's headed yeah. but he wants to do it in a classy manner 
Peyton's over there saying, hey, you don't want to do what, what happened to me unless... So is, and they might be setting Eli up for a situation that says, listen, the Giants are not in that situation like when I left the Colts. You, we might want to find you a situation like Denver for me. If you want to go, he could still play quarterback and manage a game, but he doesn't have the tangibles over there right now because all you're going to do is turn around and hand the ball to Saquon, Saquon. and you're going to get him hurt. You don't yeah. have no receivers. You don't have nothing over there. So they're saying in their mind, like, okay, we're going to get uh, we're quarterback gurus because I believe Peyton's going to be a coach one day. Oh, yeah. Take Daniel, put him in position to win with the Giants, and Eli, we're going to find you a new home to try to close out your career like I did. Well, my thing with Peyton Manning is I'm surprised he's not coaching already. That's, that's where I'm surprised. Well, now you get to get rid of that Papa John's gig. Well, no. Nah. <laughs> well, he's, he's doing oh, yeah. Yeah, he's making a good living yeah, doing a commercial. I said he had to get rid of the but, Papa but John's you, gig and move on to his, his new calling, which is nationwide commercials. Well, well that and he's working for ESPN Plus right now. Yeah, he's just roaming around doing yeah. whatever the fuck he wants. But, he, but he's still doing football stuff. Yeah. You know that Peyton Manning, football is his life. That's all the guy knows. And he loves the game. And that's why he's still doing stuff. I thought like it was that. cocaine and strippers. I'm surprised he's not coaching already. I'm surprised like he's not in college or something like that, taking up a head coaching job or, or something, doing something. He might have a specific thing. Like the Mannings are very from their dad. Yeah. How they handled everybody's career. His dad handled his career going, being in the NFL himself. He made specific decisions. I think that he has specific goals. There's a whiteboard and there's goals on him. He just didn't get to that point yet. They, they have a, something set where they're saying, this is the job I want to go for. By that time, it should be I can go in there. I'll have the knowledge. I'll have the training. I'll go through all the proper steps to walk mm -hmm. in that office with confidence. And they'll say, okay, give Manning a job. And they're probably, you know, trying greasing it. If it's, I don't think it's money, but I think, you know, conversations, getting in the right um, circles and stuff like that. Well, I don't know if you guys ever heard this, but about two years ago, you remember when after Tennessee fired the coach? Were, I was just about to say something about they Tennessee. They actually interviewed Tom, uh, Peyton. Peyton. They interviewed him. And the rumor was that they actually offered him the job, but he decided not to take it. Mm. I don't know why you wouldn't why you wouldn't take that. One, it's Tennessee. It's Tennessee's an SEC. It's it's been one of those staple schools throughout the years in college football. And another point is that's his alma mater. If you ever want to start head coaching somewhere, you do it at your alma mater. Look at the guy that's over, I can't think of his name right now, but the guy that's at Florida State right now. He went to school there. He played played football there, and then now he's coaching there. I right. can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. but Isn't it Jum Jimbo? No, Jimbo Fisher. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. he's with te uh, Texas A&M right oh, now. Oh, yeah, he got, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. But, you know, I don't, I don't know why the heck I he wouldn't take that name. job. Like that, that's a, it's an interesting I, thing. It's one of the things. I don't know, man. I, I If it was me, I would probably, and my goal was to coach, I would definitely hop on that because I would build that resume there. You're in the spotlight. Tennessee's in the spotlight. Especially uh, being in the SEC. Especially being in the SEC. You'll, get, you'll get excellent, excellent, excellent um, football play against the greatest like Alabama, Auburn, yeah. LSU. You're going to get the best experience you can get in SEC ball. I probably would do it, like I said, but they have plans, man. I, I just think they're very calculated with their plans. I'm wondering if he's waiting for like an NFL gig where it's not he's not taking a head coach job right off the bat. Maybe it's OC, more of like a offensive coordinator coach. or a quarterbacks coach and wants to 
start off small and get this experience that way. But, you know, at the same time, there was also those things that were saying being said about him whenever he was in Denver and that he was basically helping coaching that team while he was in Denver. Oh, yeah, he's so, a coach on the field. You know, it's – Brady, he's Brady-esque, definitely. So if, if he's just waiting – why if he is waiting for that smaller role, why is he waiting for that smaller role? Because he was already helping coach Denver whenever he was there this past his last few years. So technically he already has a little bit of experience in it. So that's where I'm a little confused as well. But, you we'll know – We'll see how it pans out. It's going to pan out either way, but I do see him putting on a headset and being the head man. Or at least being a GM. Because, you know. That's possible, too. John Elway, you sat with one of, like, he finished his career. They both finished their career in the same place at the same type of level. Like, John Elway was in battles. You know, what was he in, what, six, five? Six or five Super Bowls? Yeah. Lost four or five. And yeah, then he lost he won, his first four and won his last two. Last Went out two, as yeah. an old head. Going out with two wins, you know. And the book's still out on John Lynch. Like, you know, is he actually going to be able to turn around good. the 49ers? I think he's and doing then, a fantastic job with the 49ers. I, I, like, I like what he's doing. I just want to see the wins account for what he's doing. And that's yeah. my – honestly, that's my NFC sleeper team. I think the 49ers could possibly make a run at the Rams and out there in the West. It, it's, that, that's another division. It's up to that's, Garoppolo. Yeah, yeah. That, Garoppolo. That's another division that's hard because you've got Seattle. You have, you have San Francisco, and then you also have L.A. Oh, don't then that just brings that up, too. That's somebody I looked at, too, as being my sleeper, too, is Seattle. Seattle, you can never count them out. They got a plug-and-play system. Russell Wilson is just getting better. Oh, yeah. He's getting With better, age. better, better, better. And then they're, I think they focused on a lot of the issues they were having while he was running for his life. To put up the numbers he put up and stayed off his and back off last back. year, was impressive as fuck to me. And I think moving forward, I think they addressed some of those issues in the draft. And I think uh, Metcalf is going to and be I'll the say, person. I'll say Tyler Lockett, too. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Metcalf is going to tear it up. I think I, he's going to mature that, quick. That's my bold prediction, is that Metcalf wins offensive, offensive rookie. rookie of the year. It's, it's not, it's not okay. Kyler Murray. It's not any of these other guys. It's going to be DJ freaking Metcalf. And I'm going to go to an even further level and say he's going to score 12 touchdowns and go over 1,000 yards receiving. It's possible. Good shit, guys. All right. I would like to thank our friends from Bridging the Gap coming on the show, talking a little bit of football. Um, Anything we, you guys want to say? We made history. We're on the inaugural season of the That's Armchair right. Referees. That's right, baby. Armchair Referees, first episode. So we got our <laughs> I love the out. name, by the way. Man. Thank you. I love it. Thank Chip, you. Chip Bayless and uh, the, the fake Hockley. Um, you guys are great. Hopefully this, this podcast blows up. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. And Thank you very much, man. And yep. we will get out of your way and have fun. And See you some other time, man. Thanks. All right, guys. So now we're going to dive into me and – Chip Bayless's team, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. The Fightins. Uh, things have changed in the past week. Um, say in the past couple of days. Yeah. I mean, the hiring of Charlie Manuel being the hitting coach now and seeing what the Phillies have done these last couple of nights. Just just with that one hire, you, their offense has exploded. Big time. And Harp is getting hot. I wish – Reese, I wish the big fellow would be getting up there with him, but you know, I think he's 
it's, it's kind of it's kind of a down year for Reese. I mean, it's very disappointing because I expected him and Harper both to be like the big bats on this team, just like, smashing, home, smashing runs. home runs and night in, night like, out. And it's just it's just th- been a very thirty to forty heart home runs apiece and like a hundred RBIs together. But you know, at the same time, I like the fact that we've moved Bryce to the leadoff. Yes. He's been killing it. And up there, there was just the other day when I first saw, like, they put Bryce at leadoff. I'm, I was sitting there thinking, like, I wonder what they're doing. Well, I you mean, remember they, they last be, year, Washington did Washington the same thing. Washington tried the same thing, and he was doing pretty well there as well. Um, but when I seen they moved him to the leadoff for the Phillies, I'm like, they're on to something here. Like, something's brewing right now. And they've been just been tearing the cover off baseball yes. since they made And it's like change. beginning of the year, like we had McCutcheon, and he was tearing it up at leadoff too. And unfortunately, he had that injury. But oh, Speaking then, of that injury, I, I just want to go into this. That is the dumbest way ever to tear your ACL. I agree. You know, over a stupid rundown between first or second with one out. You know, take the out, protect yourself. Yes. And it, Instead of trying to go full superhero and try to be the savior of the game, you made it much worse on yourself, especially for long his age. life. Like, yeah, for, I would say like longevity. Yeah, they're going to be looking into that, you know, the next few years. But at the same time, I also still believe that Roman Quinn needs tested. <laughs> he, I don't know. He where, needs to pee in a cup. Where, where, who is this dude? Honestly, <laughs> he he needs to freaking pee in a cup because he had a hit last night. A huge there's, pinch hit. <laughs> there's times I see Roman Quinn, and I'm just sitting thinking. <laughs> How did you make it into Major League Baseball? Because he's who not an excellent fielder. Who, like, who do you know? I'm convinced like, his dad or his uncle it, like, works in the organization. It, like, it has to happen. There's got to be like family ties or something like, within you the do MLB. Not... The Roman Quinn is a, a legit player in the National Baseball League. You don't, go, you don't bat 124 and stay up. Because, remember, they sent down Nick Williams. Yes. Who was batting close to 300 whenever he came in the pitch hit and was, you know, getting the spot starts. But you keep up a guy that's batting 124 who's not the great fielder either. Like, he's not a great fielder either. And it isn't like the guy has a cannon either. And, you know, yeah, he has blazing speed. But you don't keep up a guy just to pinch run. Exactly. Like, like, I don't don't know. But I do like the – Charlie Manuel signing because I think at the same time he can kind of give a little bit of wisdom to, uh, to Gabe. That it's I about think he time. really needs big, big time because analytics does not win World Series. Like I think we're trying to too too much money. Too ball. much money ball. Like, it's I, it's I basically think, watching the early two thousand Oakland A's again. I I feel like Gabe had like his time when he's out in L.A. hung out with you know uh, crap. Who the heck played? Played in Moneyball. I can't think of his freaking name right now. Was that Matt Damon? No, it wasn't Matt Damon. It was, uh, he played in Gorgeous Bastards. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Can I get my tech guy to Google? (laughs) (laughs) Who starred in Moneyball because I'm drawing a blank? (laughs) Didn't he date Angelina Jolie? Yeah, he used to be married to Angelina Jolie. Like, he played in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt. There, there we, we go. go. I think I think Gabe hung You're out with Brad Pitt. You're having such too a much. brain fart there. <laughs> I think Gabe hung out with Brad Pitt too much, and he's like, you know what? I want to be Brad Pitt. I like we are basically. I think Gabe same. just tans too much. I think the sun just gets to his head. <laughs> I think he's been overbaked. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> I I 
like, I, don't get me wrong. I like Gabe. I don't like the fact that we sent down Michael Franco. That's I do my, not. I do that's not my boy. like that. Like, that's my boy. That guy has too much pop in his bat when he gets a hold of the ball. And his defense. Defense is phenomenal. Like, how, how he's making. And sometimes, too, it's like you see a ball. It looks like it's about to go, like, towards the uh, fans. But he somehow miraculously picks up that ball and just has a cannon. He, he makes the best double plays, like the most insane double plays. Do you think, oh, All he's only getting third that? to first? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's you think, ridiculous. oh, we're only getting one out. He's going to tag bag at third, and then he just rockets one over to first. And it's so beautiful every single time he does it as yes. well. Like, you don't send down a potential gold glover. Like, you don't do that. And that's exactly how, that's exactly how you and I reacted the day whenever they made the move. I'm I remember because like, I texted you, I'm like, the fuck <laughs> I, I was completely baffled i'm like like i get it. it's been a down year for his bat you know but he's still playing gold glove level defense, defense. yes and that's the one thing that you need and that's like, what i was even asking you i'm like who are they going to replace him with like is it going to be uh, obviously it's been scott kingery kingery yeah kingery's been playing very well like don't get me wrong but he he doesn't do the things that, that mike Kell can, can do. do yes and I think Kingery's a better outfielder than an infielder. Agreed, yep. Now, at the same token, <laughs> you can flip the other coin, and, you know, at the same time, it's them justifying the trade for Corey Dickerson. Yes. But I why think did gonna... you make the trade for Corey Dickerson? And that's the other thing, too. Like, even when they made the move for Corey Dickerson, it was just like I sat there and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, now why would they make that move? Like, He's not going to be someone that we're going to see on the lineup every day. Not going to be somebody that we're going to potentially need for a longevity kind of like deal. Like maybe they were trying to get a little bit better defensively in the outfield, which has been an issue this year because Harp has not played the best defense this no. year. But at the same time, it's still a head scratcher because you basically traded for a gold glover because he did win the gold glove last year in left field to send down a gold glover and then make your infield weaker. Weaker, yep. When what you should have been trading for is more arms in your bullpen. In the bullpen. We didn't really make any moves for no. that bullpen. And if that was anything, very disappointing. If anything, we made our bullpen worse. Worse. When you have that many injuries to your bullpen, like our bullpen at the beginning of the year looked good with Pat Neshack, with uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, with uh, – Vince Velasquez. Yeah, Vince. Well, Vince Velasquez got moved moved into the rotation, which I like. But the other thing with sending down Michael Franco is the our starting lineup, like our starting rotation, is a lot of contact happy pitchers. Mm -hmm. Like we lean off of that contact. They don't give up a lot of hard hit balls, but when they do, of course they fly, and it doesn't help. They you know that. Our ballpark is a hitter-friendly It park. is a very hitter-friendly It's friendly. very hitter-friendly. But it's that when you have a rotation that's like that, you don't send down one of your best fielders. When you have a rotation that's very contact-heavy and you know that it's going to be a lot of soft hit balls, it's, you know, you want to make sure that your defense is as best as, as, best it, can as it can be. be. Yep. You know, so it, And that's it's the other thing, too. Like, even though it was a down year for Mike Kell's uh, batting, it's just like – it wasn't like 
the guy's completely stunk. Like he, it's not like he forgot how to hit a baseball. He was still batting. He was still 200s. batting at two hundreds. Exactly, and it's just like, at what point do we just sit there and say, maybe we should have gave the guy a little bit more time. Maybe we should have. Maybe this move, bumping him down, maybe makes him a better offensive player. I, it's just I'm completely baffled over the whole. I'm still kind of like befuddled over the Michael Franco like bumping him down to AAA, and it's just like, uh, like you don't send him down to Lehigh Valley. If anything, you start spot uh, spot starting them. Having like, trade especially, time, especially with, with the bullpen issues. It's just like the way that our bullpen is. It's like why would you let go of one of like why would you bump down one of the guys best known for his defense? And at the same time, like Kingry isn't having that great of a year. No. If anything, he's also having a down year. So, who are you really trying to get started up here? Have you completely fr- – I, I feel like they've completely given up on Michael, which which sucks. Which sucks big time because especially me being, like, a big Michael Franco fan, like, I have a shirt and everything. Like, it's just yeah. – it, I, uh, I like I – get, I get where they're having an issue in the outfield because Hazley's tearing it up. He's actually playing center field relatively well. And speaking of outfield, it just makes you also wonder, too, like what if Odubel Herrera did not get in trouble? Like what if the actions that he did did yeah, not he, occur? He, he, he was an all-star last year. Yes. He was an all-star last year. He was tearing the cover off the baseball last year. So that that's another thing. But I'm starting to think with Hazley playing well and King can play the outfield, and McCutcheon's definitely going to be back for next year. Hopefully. Hopefully. But even even if McCutcheon doesn't come back next year, we still have Dickerson locked up. So Dickerson can play left field, you know, for a few more years. Like it isn't like he's getting that much older. I think he's only like twenty seven or something kind of like that. And Hazley's tearing the cover off baseball. He's playing excellent defense, and he does have a fairly decent arm for a center fielder. Who's to say that's not our outfield going into next year as well? So does a double have a have a spot? On this team, or did they move him back into the infield? Because remember, whenever he was drafted, when he, he was started drafted, out as a he started baseman. off as a second baseman. Yep. So, do they try to move him back in the outfield? But where does he play in the outfield? Because we have Cesar. And that's Cesar's, and Cesar's, Cesar's another, guy another guy. Yep. That can potentially, you know, sooner or later, maybe this year or next year, or a year, three years down the line, that could win a Gold Glove because his defense is damn good. It's yeah, <laughs> it's getting better as each year's progressed and. And then you got Segura at shortstop. You aren't moving the big fella. You aren't moving Hosk. No, you're not moving Hosk at first. (laughs) Nope, that's not happening. And so, really, it's third base. And obviously, Kingery or Michael, if they haven't given up on Michael, is going to be playing third base. I really – like, that's a good thing, too. Like, I don't want them to give up on Michael because there's so much potential I see Mm -hmm. in Michael. Like, I can see – When he gets a hold of that A multiple-time gold glove winner there at third base in Michael. Like, that's the expectations I have out of Michael Franco. Like, even when he was, like, as a young prospect, like, playing at Reading and moving up to Lehigh Valley before he even made it up to Philadelphia, like – just watching him play, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, if this guy's our lock at third base for years to come, this guy could possibly be like, he could be up there with Schmitty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, that was my my thoughts as well. It's just like J.P. Crawford. I think we gave up on him too soon. Too soon, yep. And we sent, we sent him out the door too soon because his defense was great. He wasn't hit the ball that well. So, like, I get why we brought in Gene Segura better hitter and his defense is about on the same level as JP maybe a little bit better um 
but I don't think we exactly justified trading him away. He's too young too to young, just yep. trade away and give up on somebody that, that young. That young. So, because, like, Segura, I think he's approaching 30s right now, or maybe he is in his 30s. I'm not 100% sure. But I think Segura maybe has five, five years, five years in him. And then we're going to be back where we were after Jimmy Rollins retired. We're, we had we had we had Freddie. I'm yeah. still Freddie's my boy. Freddie Galvis will definitely be one of my favorite. Freddie's my boy, and I I kind of hated whenever we let him, we traded him away, or no, we didn't trade him away. We let him. Walk. We let him walk. Yeah. Yeah. And and he played a year in San Diego, and but I was I was like Freddie. He even tore it up in San Diego. Too, oh yeah. And I'm just like, why did we let him walk? Mm-hmm. One of the like that was just he his so back, done by the yeah, Phillies. and that the year that we. Year uh, that we let him walk that past season, his bat, his bat just and ex- he it just yeah. exploded. Yep. So I I was a little confused on that, and then he did about the same thing in San Diego that year. And now I think he's actually a free agent right now because I think Toronto let him go. Uh, so. Uh. It's, I don't know if I it's the price of being a Philadelphia I fan. I don't know if I could bring him back now. I mean, <laughs> getting older and um, – I think it would be a good thing for a playoff run. Yeah, and speaking of playoff runs, um, looking at the National League standings. We're still in it. We're still in it. We're still in it. We're still fighting. And the fact that we just swept Chicago. Chicago, yeah. That definitely that helps. helps. That's, that's, a, that's a huge NL win right there. Big time. We just need to start winning more games in our division. That's the other AKA, thing too, we like, need to quit losing to freaking Miami. Yes. For some <laughs> reason, I don't understand why. But every time we play the Marlins, it's just like we – It's been that way like, this past two years. It's like our, it's like they're our, like, kryptonite. Like, we can't – we're like the Patriots. <laughs> we can't go down to Miami and win. It, it, yeah. It's, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, Miami's one of the worst teams in the league. Like, they're – over there with Detroit, just going back and forth, like you know, no, we're going to be the worst, and Detroit's like, no, we're going to drop eight games in a row, and we're going to be the worst. Oh, well, I'm going to raise your eight games to do ten. <laughs> so unless we play Philadelphia, then we're going to break this then freaking streak. Break the streak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it it's so insane that we do that, and now now we're just tearing the freaking cover off the baseball. So could it possibly be that the Phillies are getting hot at the right time? I think they are. I think they are. I think Making I think push. it's almost like uh, the year we won the World, the World Series in 08. You remember we started out very rocky that year, yes. at the beginning of the year. And then right around after All-Star break, right about the same time, we exploded. exploded. Yes. And the one thing I think we're missing is a bona fide for sure, closer. Yes. And that's one thing that we did have in 08. Brad Wedge went 48 for 48 in save attempts in save. that year. Yep. Like, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. That's like Mario very... Rivera. <laughs> Stats. Stats, right yeah. Say, especially comparing him to uh, Rivera, just putting him up there in that kind of class. Like, it's just. Like, closers, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. You don't. You do, you never go perfect as a closer, but that year was a whole different. That was a whole different thing because, I, sure, he probably could have had a few more saves, you know, 
because like the average uh, closer averages between like 15 to 54 saves, but they blow like eight. Eight of them, yeah. Eight or nine or ten. Like you'll have those games where it's like you kind of knew it was going to eventually happen, but at the same time it's like it just depends because some days you got these closers that they'll go out and they do their job, and then there's some days where it's like they kind of just like they just have a bad day, like a sluggish, mm-hmm. trying to close it out. And so you after they just closed out like eight games straight. Yeah. And I that's another thing with Philadelphia this year. I think they're paying way too much attention to the pitch count this year instead of looking especially, at how is that pitcher doing. Especially Kapler because I still remember game one this beginning of this year. What he did with Nola, like mm-hmm. pulling him out, like I believe it was the sixth inning. Yeah, that that's been his mo all year. Oh, sixth inning, time to pull my time to pull him out. It's like, no, <laughs> he's pitching a great game. He doesn't even look like, like I, he's really broke a sweat. And he's even not though that was just game one, I'm like, if this is how it's gonna go all season long, like I don't know how I can sit here and watch this team. You're gonna sit here and tell me that Nola is dealing the entire game. And then you're gonna wait till the sixth inning and pull him out. Yeah, and it is. It isn't like he was losing anything off his fastball. No, and I think that's what the Cubs did last night. I mean, they. Yeah, they pulled Darvish. Darvish way too soon. soon. I was like, and then the Phillies started coming back. I'm like, wow. Like if they actually come back and win this, the Cubs pulling Darvish helped us out big time. And sure enough, it did. Because Darvish was dealing. He was. There was nothing the Phillies could do against Darvish. We couldn't do anything against him last night. His curveball and his. Disgusting. Was on and his fastball was faster than normal. Because, like, if you look at Darvish's fastball, normally it's like 92. He was whipping that thing in there at 95 last night. Yes. Like, and for a guy that's been in the league as many years as you, Darvish, has been, and your fastball Still fastball is average around, like, 92. And you just – I'm convinced that that guy got got some the, the night before or day, you know, <laughs> Before the game, like his wife, he's just like, okay, sucky, sucky. There, and, there's <laughs> just so many players that are still playing like way past their like. So you think they'd be like way past their prime, but it's like. Well, like Albert Pujols. And yeah, that's another thing too. It's like you see these guys still playing. It's just like, what is your secret? What is your technique? Like, what do you do? But at the same time, that's always been baseball, because, bait like look at Cal Ripken, Jr. That guy played until, until he's like, like that guy p- played three decades worth of baseball. Yes. Like, but that's just baseball. Baseball is not like any other sport. It's not like football, you know. Where it's like you got the, and that's the other thing too. Like baseball is not really like you can't predict. Yeah. What goes on? But the baseball players always play later in their lives. Yes. Like later into their careers. It's not an It's not of. like football where it's like you can easily re- – like you got some guys that can easily retire at like 28 and be set for life. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not unheard of to hear, oh, that guy's 40 and he's played 20 years. Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer's a freaking perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> that guy – that guy is – was old as dirt. I'm surprised he didn't have a heart attack on the mound when he was with us. And then, even after he left us, he played two more two seasons, more seasons for the Rockies. Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, 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 Jamie Moyer's career is just insane to begin with. <laughs> I feel like Jamie Moyer's career could be like through either was, a cassette tape 
or like one of those like old snuff films like <laughs> grab like the whiteboard and a, like the pull out projector and just watch jb's career like early early age but like jamie moore that guy never had really had a fastball like his fastball was always in the high 80s like it never really eclipsed into the 90s, 90s. it was like always 88 89 you know that, that's just the way he was but his movement for one he, he always had good break. He, he always had good stuff, you know. Right? Yeah, that's like that seems to be the the key word when we were, everyone wants to talk about pitchers nowadays. Is does he have the stuff, you know? Like Noel, for example, that guy clearly has the stuff because whenever he throws that curveball, and I feel like his curveball is getting dirtier and dirtier and nastier and nastier, just knee buckling as the year goes on, like. His last start, that curveball was hit. It was just dotting into corners, and every single one of them was almost like clapping their knees together every single time it came in. Like that's what you want to see. That's yes. what you want to see, and that's one thing that like Jamie Moyer, that old dirtbag, because <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was like 70 when he retired. Like the skin was falling off that guy's bones by the time he finally said, "Yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should retire." <laughs> After getting shelled <laughs> in Colorado for two years. For two years. <laughs> like you, you cannot be a breaker ball pitcher and pitch in Colorado. Like even if, Especially in that ballpark because. Oh yeah. Like even soft contacts are freaking hard home in runs. that ballpark. That they, they, like it's Colorado. That ball is going to carry no matter what. I'm pretty sure I could walk in there and just, you know, do a little like half swing bunt and I can hit a home run. Like that's just way Colorado is. But anyways, back on point, you, you start talking about Jamie Warrior and I have to go on to my giant tirade <laughs> there. So we can confirm that the Philadelphia Phillies will be a playoff team in 2019. If they keep it up. If they keep up what they're doing right now, yes. But at the same time, it's really up to whether or not that rotation can keep up. Right now, we are. We we know anytime Noah steps on the mound, right now, he he's gonna almost guarantee us a win. If Gabe doesn't screw up and take him out in six, it, it, you know if he, Noah's pitching well enough right now, even if he's at ninety pitches in the sixth inning, you let him go until that eighth mm-hmm. because he's still you know he's still go throwing good stuff. Arietta, now that's guy we gotta watch. And that's gonna that was gonna be my next question with Arietta being banged up. For a pitcher to have an elbow injury, especially a pitcher like Arietta, where he leans on break and movement in that zone, because he, he doesn't have devastating fastball. No. He's never had a de- never, devastating never had fastball. Even when he's with the Cubs, he never really had it. His, his fastball is basically his sinker. So when you're a sinker ball pitcher and you have an elbow injury, you got to watch your pitch count. And the fact that he's battling through that and still pitching fairly well is a testament to how good Arietta really is. But I say that Arietta only goes until the sixth inning on every single start right now. I think they're trying to keep him somewhat fresh so that if we do make the playoffs, he can pitch deep into the playoffs. Deep into the playoffs, yep. But at the same time, Vince needs to step it up. Yes. Like, he stepped up a little bit this year. He is pitching a heck of a lot better. But I feel like when it gets about the fifth inning with him, 
he, he, he starts, starts worrying. Starts, like, he yep. psychs himself out. Yep. Like, at the fit, it seems and that's like every single too, fifth like inning. With, with Vince, it's like, you also got to think, too. Like, remember, I think it was either a year or two ago, they were talking about possibly putting him as a closer. Yeah, yeah. And now they're trying to do that with um, Pavetta. Pavetta, yep. Pavetta's not a bullpen guy. No. I, I don't. Like, he had that one save. He looked pretty good in the save. And then he goes out and gets shelled his neck his next game. If anything, Pavetta needs to be a late, uh, long reliever. But he's not a closer. No, not at all. Nowhere near it. And I don't – this is where I'm, I'm going to say it's a little hard to say they're going to make playoffs because we didn't do enough to replace Storms that we left in – that we lost in the bullpen. So it's – it's hard to say. If we keep on carrying the cover off the ball and we start, you know, if we keep on scoring twelve runs or something like that, I think too, we, like, we make like last year, like the Phillies had a little bit of heat, like going towards the playoffs. Like there was that talk, like they could possibly sneak in. Well, we were playing very well up until the All Star break, and then we fell on our face. And then they kind of picked it up towards the towards the end. Yeah. Or like there was possibly that potentially that talk of them sneaking in and the wild card and everything like that. Um, but our bullpen, but let, our us bullpen let us down big time. That and our starting pitching wasn't where it needed to be. No. So um, it's it's hard it's hard to say whether or not if Philly's gonna really make the playoffs. Um, if we keep on hitting as well as we have, and we at least and Arietta keeps on taking us into the six, and our bullpen wins us a few games whenever Arietta's on the mound, and Noel's able to carry us late into games and then give it up to the bullpen get a few saves, and Vince steps up a little bit more, wins a few more games, I think we can sneak in. Um, I don't think we're going to win the division. I no. think it's going to be I, – I think we're a wild-card team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're one starting pitcher away from being a – you know, no doubt we're going to make playoffs every year. And Sir Anthony coming back because he – when. Before he got hurt, he was he was closing games like he was untouchable whenever he came in the ninth inning. Because um, I think Hector Hector Neres, he's a, he's a setup guy. I don't think he's a closer. I think he's a setup no, so guy. I, like a, I think I like he's, Hector as being a setup guy, not really. I, I think a he's a guy that comes in in the eighth, shuts the door, sets it up, and then you bring and then you Sir bring in Sir Anthony. But you know we'll we'll see. It's it's hard to, it's hard to say. Philly's still in that tweener. They're still that tweener team where we definitely have the potential. talent. We definitely have the talent and the potential to get back to where we were. But it's whether or not if these players are actually going to reach that potential. And exactly. that's that's the other part that's on Gabe is to get that potential out of them. And, you know, year one with Gabe, I loved him. I think, I you know, what he was able to do at the beginning of the year of year one, just – speaks volumes to be able to take that tweener team and make them look like a you know world series bound team but our colors really showed after the all-star after break the all-star break yep um, and you saw guys just basically just downplaying and mm-hmm. now with the moves that we made this past offseason fucking brilliant absolutely yeah you know, bring bringing in gene segura trading JT, for jt, JT Rumuto, signing bryce, bryce harper, harper. That speaks volumes. You know, this is just the way it is. We'll, we'll see whether or not Philly's actually going to be able to win, 
you know, make the playoffs, I think they'll squeak in. But, you know, unfortunately, that's about the only time that we have uh, for today. Yep. Uh, we will be back next week on fire. We'll see what the heck we're going to be bringing up. You know, we got a week ahead of us. Yes, we do. So Dramatic um, fashion. We'll probably be talking a little bit of preseason ball. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I am your host, the one, the only, the man with the fake 22-inch guns, the fake Hockley. And I am the co-host, the one with the fake Twitter burner accounts, the one, the only, Chip Bayless. Thank you for joining us. And you guys have a great night. Thank you.